So I knew the movie Nimona had like a lot of LGBTQ plus themes in it. So I wanted to watch it because it just came out today, if I understand correctly. So I was like, oh, I mm-hmm. got to get them numbers up. And they delivered because in the first four minutes, there was already two same-sex couples. And of those two, the latter one has the ma- is the main character and the other main character. I was like, what, what can you – I don't know anything about this movie. Is this oh a my Disney God, I'm movie? So sorry. Is this Pixar? Is this – Well, that's part of the drama is that apparently when Disney bought some other animation company, they canceled this movie. And then Netflix oh. picked it up and people are like, oh, it's obviously because it had gay themes, which it – it's it that's a main it's a big part of the movie so it is like yeah i believe that disney would cancel it but the idea is basically you know how knights fight monsters mm-hmm. what if they just kept fighting monsters into like a future technology flying cars-esque era so they've still got knights in this world and oh. but they're all very closed off like they're still in this city that's like protected by a wall and so i don't want to spoil too much of the movie basically our main character Ends up teaming up with this girl who is kind of a monster, and you're. You, I still don't know what's going on with her. I didn't finish the movie yet, mm-hmm. but like he he's he doesn't want to be a bad guy, and he's being made out to be a bad guy. So he's trying to like clear his name with this girl. But the crazy thing that I think you in particular will find really wild is that his boyfriend slash ex boyfriend slash the leader of all of the knights is played by Eugene from the Try Guys. <gasps> and not only that, he was the only one they they auditioned for it. Like they based the character design off of him, and they're like, "Please, oh my can God. you play this?" I when I saw it was him, I was like, "Of the Try Guys?" Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so he's he's um he's like the main head of the guard, and he's oh, really that's great. So cool. I I was waiting to tell you that because I was like, I think you'll find that particularly <laughs> wild. Yeah. Okay, well, you've convinced me to watch it. Yeah. So for those who don't know the voice that you're hearing, or if this is your first episode, this is Casey Robsky subbing in for Rowan Hall. Yes, I'm back. She's back. Two in a row. Two in a row. (laughs) And I am Tracy Harrison, and this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Each week, we research a topic from history or mythology, and then we write an original story to go along with that topic. So if you'd like to support the show, consider checking out our merch. We really love it when you send us pictures of you wearing our stuff out in the world. And you can also support Willing and Fable by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash willingandfable. Or you can support our show by decorating your favorite water bottle in every single sticker you can get your hands on. Don't be precious about it. Life is short. And stickers are fun. But no matter what, we're happy to have you here. I don't even have any of my beverage containers with stickers on them near me. I'm feeling like I'm not representing right now. This is a shame. <laughs> Casey is a big putting stickers on things person, just like me. Yes. I The only one I can see right now is Bibble and Kermit with a cowboy hat because that's <laughs> what I have on my laptop. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, real quality stickers like Bibble. I have Kermit drinking tea on the water bottle that I have at work. It's a good one. It's a classic. I love putting stickers on things. I'm not precious about it. I'm not concerned if it's a little crooked. I'm not concerned if some of them overlap. Like, I just enjoy stickers. Yeah. I mean, who does it hurt? Nobody. Let a girl have her stickers. (laughs) I know some people get very scared of the idea of putting a sticker somewhere. 
I I get that. Well, so my way around it, if that's like you and you want to ha- be a uh, stickers on your laptop, girly or guy um, I have a case that I put on my laptop, like a plastic shell, and I put the stickers on that. So if I feel like I don't want to commit or maybe I want to try again, I'll mm-hmm. just take that shell off and put it on a different shell. There you go. It's like a different outfit. That's my hack. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I should get a shell for my laptop just because it came with a fabric cover. Like I didn't put a fabric cover on it. My laptop has a fabric cover, so stickers don't what? stick very well to it. That's so weird. I've never heard of that. What are they doing? I don't know. I can't explain okay. it. It's really weird. Hmm. <laughs> Today we are talking about Asmodeus. So Rowan and I talk a lot on this podcast about how we really need to stop going into research with any expectations. Because I started researching Asmodeus and I was concerned that I wouldn't have enough information for an entire episode because I thought he's one of the seven demon princes of hell. He represents lust. I feel like a lot of people know that. He's usually portrayed as having three heads, uh, an ogre, a ram, and a bull, having the feet of a rooster having wings, and the tail of a serpent. But aside from that, how much could there really be to talk about? Perfect man. (laughs) He's the perfect man. We're going to get into it. He's the perfect man. Uh, So there's a lot to talk about, but most of it's tied up in ancient writings and vague texts and academic research. So they made it really hard to organize it into something cohesive. So I tried to go chronologically, but I want to shout out Sarah Ronis, who writes for the Jewish Book Council, because she saved me in this episode. I sent Casey a text message about how much I love this person's research. She's your James Rom that yes, <laughs> James Rom for me was in the Sacred Band of Thieves episodes. That's what Sarah Ronis is doing for me. Love that. She wrote an essay titled Asmodeus, A Demon for the Ages, and everyone should go read it. The link is in the show notes. Mm. In that article, she writes that, quote, while Jewish tradition knows this demon as Ashmedai, the Aramaic version of his name, The oldest evidence for Asmodeus comes from the Avesta, a sacred Zoroastrian text that is over 2,000 years old. Parts of it may be almost 1,000 years older than that. In the Avesta, Ashmodeva, which literally translates as the wrath demon, works to sow violence in the hearts of humankind and spread evil in the world. End quote. Oof. So, Casey, who Mm. is Asmodeus besides one of the seven princes of hell? Well, in Abrahamic lore, he's the king of both daemons, known as jinn or shedim, and demons, or divs. Asmodeus is mostly known from the book of Tobit, in which he is the primary antagonist, or the Ars Goetia, one of five books in the Lesser Key of Solomon. Asmodeus is also mentioned in some Talmudic legends, for instance, in the story of the construction of the Temple of Solomon. In Islam, he's identified with the, quote, puppet mentioned in the Quran, which dethroned Solomon and reigned over his kingdom until he got his kingship back. Most scholars agree that Asmodeus has his origins in Zoroastrianism, the ancient religion of Persia. Oh my god. I talked about the Persians. Yes, you did. Do you think in the Sacred Band of Thieves, do you think they knew who Asmodeus was? Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah, because some of the writing I'm going to be talking about, I mean, it's from the 2nd or 3rd century B.C., no, the Sacred Band of Thieves was around 300 BC. So maybe they knew him. Yeah, it's from when we have some of the oldest writings. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So according to demonologists, he was able to reveal to men the hidden secrets and treasures of the Mother Earth. And casually, he also gave them the ability to become invisible. You know. You know, how you do? Yeah. When one exercises him, they must be steadfast and call him by name. 
He gives rings influenced by astronomical bodies and instructs men in the arts of geometry, arithmetic, astronomy, and the mechanical arts. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Mm-hmm. He gives rings? He's just giving ring- rings? Yeah, rings that you, like, put on your hand. And there's there's stories about him giving out rings. He's got his seal on the rings. I think the idea is you could serve him and he'll teach you. This is a very interesting fella because – Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's instructing people how to do geometry and he's giving out rings. Mm-hmm. That's just, okay. Oh, get ready. He was widely depicted as having a handsome visage, good manners, and an engaging nature. However, he was portrayed as walking with a limp and one leg was either clawed or that of a rooster. He walks aided by two walking sticks in some works, and this gave rise to the English title, The Devil on Two Sticks. The French novelist Alain René Lesage attributes his lameness to falling from the sky after fighting with another devil, which is rad as hell. And I want to read about that because so far he's giving off Paradise Lost hot Lucifer energy and I'm loving it. Okay, but like, I feel like he's giving off nerdy professor energy. Same thing to me. I feel like he's posting up and he's like, I've got a little bit of a limp and I'm going to teach you kids about arithmetic and then gives out like toy rings for people answering questions right. Like that's what he seems like. I mean, obviously he's a bad dude, so I'm waiting for them to, you know, <laughs> tell me. He got a bad boy streak because people, people, Casey got horny for this guy in the oh. way that they wrote him. And it's no wonder he's the demon king of lust because he has basically every romance novel made into a single protagonist. He is the misunderstood bad boy. He's also a nerd. I'm waiting for that. Maybe Okay, um, you know what? I'm sad. I'm ready. <laughs> get ready. Get ready. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into the timeline of his history, I'll just give you sort of the high level what people today think of with Asmodeus. His adversary is John the Baptist. His sign, in case you're wondering, Casey, is Aquarius, January Aww. 30th to February 8th. His time of day is day Mm. his planet is the sun his metal is gold and his tarot card is the six of swords and i have a picture here casey of asmodeus's seal i see the picture before i talk about the picture though what do you mean he has it what do these mean like how did we figure this out how did we know that he was an aquarius (laughs) this is from the classification of demons that we're going to get to in a little bit Um, so Malik's Malcarum, the dictionary and for now we will get into it but when people think of like you know you think of there's the the we've talked about the Ars Goetia or the princes of hell and Mm -hmm. this is if you're kind of taking a step down in that information okay so I wouldn't have an entry in this you would not have an entry in this yet (laughs) yet Uh, I'll try to do what you do Tracy so I'm looking at Asmodeus's seal here and it says Asmodeus around this outer ring of this circle. But if you're like me and you read from the bottom left first, it says <laughs> Day Asmo, which would have been incorrect. But then it's got like a lot of funky symbols in it and like a little devil tail. And it makes like a very weird like rune. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of those little crossies, you know, the scientific term crossy. Now, what do you mean by that, Casey? <laughs> so, you know, if you're like looking at old coins at like the Ren Faire mm-hmm. and they have – like a oh like the kind you see on a map yeah <laughs> okay well do you yeah. see what i'm talking about like that yes. teeny beanie yes. little... if you guys also want to see what she's talking about you can look up as <laughs> as a seal or go onto our social media where we post the pictures from the episode i don't know why you need to i did a really good description <laughs> there 
Okay, so Casey, where do we find Asmodeus in history? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you Great, tell me. I'll teach you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I would not have gotten a uh, ring in Asmodeus's classroom for that one. I did not get it right. Not yet. We're going to start with the Book of Tobit, which is also known as the Book of Tobias or the Book of Toby. And it is hmm. a third or early second century BC Jewish work describing how God tests the faithful, responds to prayers, and protects the covenant community, i.e. the Israelites. This book tells the story of two Israelite families, that of the blind Tobit in Nineveh and of the abandoned Sarah in Ecbatana. Tobit's son Tobias is sent to retrieve 10 silver talents, an ancient measurement used to weigh gold, that Tobit once left in a town in Medea. Guided and aided by the angel Raphael, disguised as a human named Azarius, they meet Sarah and her father and learn of Sarah's situation. This is where our guy comes in, because Asmodeus has fallen in love with Sarah, and though oh. she has been married seven times, she has never consummated any of her marriages because Asmodeus kills her husbands on or before the wedding night. Mm, tough. I, I see why people might not like that. Yeah, a little, a little bit rough, a little bit of toxic mm -hmm. masculinity there. Mm -hmm. In order to get rid of Asmodeus, Tobias and Sarah get married, and on their wedding night, Tobias lays out the heart and liver of a giant fish over the coals. This drives Asmodeus out of the room and into Raphael, who exercises or banishes him, depending on the story. After which, Sarah and Tobias return to Nineveh, where Tobit is cured of his blindness. What? There was that was a lot. Mm -hmm. You told me a little bit about this story, so that that was a lot. Wasn't he also related to her, Tobias and Sarah? That wouldn't shock me at all. It didn't come up in what I read, but that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, who knows? I was just I was interested if that had like a part in the story, but they probably wouldn't. They probably <laughs> wouldn't want that part put in there. No, probably. Well, they didn't shy away from it in other stories in the Bible. That's so. true. But I think this in a lot of Christian versions of the Bible, is apocryphal, which means it's not part of the official canon. Some interpretations of the story see Asmodeus as a protector of Sarah instead of a demonic figure. Some versions say he kills her husbands because they feel only lust for Sarah instead of love. Mm hmm? Hey. hey. Okay. Misunderstood bad boy. Yeah, you're right. The book is included in the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox canons, but not in the Jewish. The Protestant mm. tradition places it in the Apocrypha, aka non-canonical books, with Anabaptists, Lutherans, Angelicans, and Methodists recognizing it as useful for purposes of teaching and liturgy, albeit still non-canonical in status. Hmm. All right, Casey, I have a painting here for you. This is oh. Tobias and Sarah with the Archangel Raphael exercising the demon Asmodeus by Jan Havikch. There's just so much to look at in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. So I feel like starting from the bottom left, there's just a dog asleep here. This is, <laughs> I, I, mean, I never noticed that. This scene is incredibly chaotic. Typically in art, dogs can mean protection. So it's not the most insane thing I've ever seen, but it's up there. I, there's a lot of things in this picture that are the most insane things I've ever seen. There's about seven cherubs flying around, <laughs> crawling around the bed. Yep. Naked babies. We've got Sarah and Tobias are on the ground kneeling, not looking at whatever Raphael's doing, <laughs> which is wearing a little Peter Pan outfit. <laughs> yeah. And I thought they burned fish. Is that lizard supposed to, be supposed to be Asmodeus? Yes, I think that lizard is supposed to be Asmodeus, which fits okay. not a single description of Asmodeus ever put down in words. 
like Jan, I don't want to say it, but he didn't (laughs) (laughs) kind of miss the mark a little bit here. Maybe he had to rush it. Like maybe some people really wanted this done and so he just didn't have time. I mean, it's interesting. It kind of feels that way just because if you look at the way Sarah's painted, she's not bending at any part that a person normally bends. Like, not at the waist, not at the knees, but somewhere in between. She's bent back like me when I try to take a picture. (laughs) I I lean back instead of taking steps backward when I'm trying to get everyone in frame. And Tobias looks bored. There's This is is a pretty interesting painting. (laughs) Okay, so... Since Asmodeus is the demon of lust, I thought it would be fun to bring back your hotness rating, Casey. Yes! From our Headless Horseman episode. So, for the Asmodeus of the Book of Tobit, I am giving him a three out of five. For this Asmodeus, I think he's got that bad boy protector thing going on, but he's also giving off a lot of toxic masculinity. Yeah, he's not really asking Sarah what she wants. But he does have that. I'll kill anyone who touches you energy, which is... Oh, you're right. You know, that, really. that male protagonist in uh-huh. a book vibe. Oh, you're so right. Oh I'm coming God. at this from a book talk perspective. Yes, yes. Book talk would love this Mobius. <laughs> they would. So now we're going to go on to the Talmud. And in this story, he's known as Ashmedai. And they depict him quite differently than other texts. Oh. Here, Ashmedai has received a promotion. He's now king of the demons. So good job to our buddy. Hey. The longest extended Talmudic story about Ashmedai is set during the reign of King Solomon. In this story, when King Solomon is building the temple, he needs to find something called a shamir, which is a substance that can cut through stone. He needs this in order to quarry the required stones for his temple. So Solomon plans to kidnap Ashmedai and force him to disclose the location of the shamir, because that is clearly the most logical next step. Oh my god, this guy's stupid. So, he asks some other demons where to find the demon king, and they give him a surprising answer. They tell him that Ashmedai has dug a well and filled it with water to drink, covered it with a large flint rock, and sealed it with his seal. Every day he ascends to the heavenly academic session and learns the heavenly Torah lesson, and then descends to the earthly academic session and learns the earthly Torah lesson and inspects his seal and uncovers the well and drinks and covers it and leaves. I'm sorry. He's he's not hurting anybody. See, he's just going to school in heaven, going yes. to school on earth, having a sip of water and then and then going to bed. Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> and leading all the demons. You know, he's their king. Oh, yeah, by but, the way, know. yeah. <laughs> I mean, why is he teaching them heaven lessons? Because he's 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 learning the wisdom of God. Keep that in mind. He's learning the wisdom of okay. God with these lessons and he's All right. understanding how to become wise. You know, he's a king. He's learning how to become wise. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks he's this awful, terrible demon, but really that's all he's doing. Do you see the book writing itself? Yeah. There is a, the there is a main character of a romance novel in this. The church would not let this stand. <laughs> They would not let this book get published. So historian Sarah Ronis, my hero, writes that, quote, Solomon sends his servant to kidnap Ashmedai, binding him with a chain that bears the ineffable name of God. Ashmedai allows himself to be kidnapped, but decides he's going to do whatever he wants on the trip back. So he brushed against a palm tree and uprooted it. He knocked against a house and overturned it. And when at one point he broke a bone, he made a sex joke asking, is it not written a soft tongue, a term for a vagina, breaketh a bone. What? <laughs> King, I don't get your joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing there was a saying back then that was a soft tongue, okay. breaketh a bone, meaning like a penis goes into a vagina. 
But oh. when he broke a bone, he made the joke of like, shouldn't this be oh. a soft tongue oh. and not I me? That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good when someone has to explain the joke to you. <laughs> it's always the best kind of joke. The, the really funny ones. Mm-hmm. He helps a blind man on the way who was going astray, and he sets him on the right path. And he did the same for a drunkard. He wept when a wedding company passed, and he laughed at a magician who was publicly showing his skill. Having finally arrived at the end of the journey, Ashmedai was led before Solomon, who told him that he wanted nothing of him but the Shamir. Ashmedai thereupon informed the king where it could be obtained. Solomon then questioned him about his strange conduct on the journey. Ashmedai answered that he judged persons and things according to their real character and not according to their appearance in the eyes of human beings. He cried when he saw the wedding ceremony, because he knew the bridegroom had not but one month to live, and also he laughed at the magician who pretended to disclose secrets because he did not know that under his feet lay a buried treasure. I mean, this guy. Why is he a bad guy? I, I, I believe it. Just, you know, explain. I, listen, I think in this story, he's not necessarily supposed to be seen as the, the most bad oh. guy. Oh. He's the antagonist, not necessarily a villain so far. Okay, so he's like, um... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a morally gray. Yeah, like a morally gray. He's kind of like a you 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 love to hate this guy. Yeah. Sarah Ronan continues to write, quote, but for all his help, Solomon keeps Ashmedai bound until one day the human king asks his demonic counterpart, what makes demons so special? Ashmedai responds, take the chain off me and give me your seal ring inscribed with the name of God, and I will show you how I am greater. And Solomon does so. And when Ashmedai is freed, he hurls Solomon 400 miles away and steals his identity, ruling in his place until the rabbis uncover the ruse and banish Ashmedai from the palace. I mean, honestly, this guy's an idiot. Should he be ruling? (laughs) He is infamously, I should call out King Solomon, the wisest person in the Bible. That's his thing. I don't know. Tell that to this story. Yeah. Well, here, Ashmedai is both a sympathetic character and an eventual usurper of the Davidic throne. So that has led some scholars to argue that the Talmudic narrative combines different traditions about the demon king. And in any case, it's clear that Ashmedai is not pure evil. He's a wise Mm. demon, a Torah scholar, and a profoundly complex figure. His depiction is part of a larger strategy by the rabbis of the Babylonian Talmud to portray demons as neutral obedient to God's will, and part of the rabbinic system. But it also illustrates the danger of letting demons into that system. After all, given their ability to move between heaven and earth, they may end up more knowledgeable about the Torah and more wise than the ultimate wise man, King Solomon. End quote. Huh. So that's why King Solomon kind of seems maybe a little dumb in this story. Yeah, he seems dumb. Asmodeus or Ashmedai is outsmarting him, and that proves why we should keep demons at bay in this story. This also ties into a later story in which a female demon assaults King David in his sleep and conceives Asmodeus as her child, which makes him half-human and also a legitimate heir to the Davidic throne. Whoa! Do you see the romance book writing itself he's a (laughs) prince now who's been cast out and he's still misunderstood and he's the king of demons when he could be the king of all of like demons and heaven and earth it's all there asmodeus was so pissed when the cruel prince was published and it wasn't about him (laughs) 
yeah, Holly Black really missed the missed the mark on that one. He's like, it could have been me. So Asmodeus also does a very similar thing in the Quranic verse Surah 3834, in which he's a jinn or a demon impersonating the king. In this story, once he's caught, he's imprisoned inside of a box of rock, chained with iron, and thrown into the sea. I think this version of Asmodeus is giving strong Tom Hiddleston's Loki from the Marvel Universe energy. Yes, yes. He's a misunderstood bad boy, a rebel mm-hmm. prince, a silly goofy rebel, a, mm-hmm. a complicated figure that everyone sees the worst in. He's also in touch with his feelings. He has a potentially tragic backstory. I mean, come on. This is a five out of five right here. Yeah. I, I wish they they you know gave us a little bit more of what he looked like. In some versions, they talk about him having wings and using his wings to throw King Solomon. They're like, specifically, they're like, he puts his wings down, one wing down, one wing up. But it could be, again, like I mentioned, Paradise Lost Lucifer. Lucifer has wings, but that one is notoriously very hot. They got one sculptor to come in and paint or sculpt him, and it was too hot. So they're like, okay, we'll get your brother to do it. His brother comes in, the next one's even hotter. They're like, we can't display these. (laughs) That sounds like that was his modus in disguise each time. I know. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I agree. Five out of five. Give for sure. Okay, now we're moving on to the classification of demons. In the Malleus Maleficarum, which is a book known as the Hammer of Witches, this book was written in 1846, and Asmodeus was considered the demon of lust, which I would argue is still one of the things he's most known for today. Some demonologists in the 16th century assigned a month to a demon and considered November to be the month in which his power was the strongest. Other demonologists assert that a sign was Aquarius, but only between January 30th and February 8th, which is what I mentioned earlier. Asmodeus has 72 legions of demons under his command. He's one of the kings of hell under Lucifer, the emperor. He incites gambling and is the overseer of all the gambling houses in the court of hell. Some Catholic theologians compared him with Abaddon, yet other authors considered Asmodeus a prince of revenge. As part of his 1589 treatise on confessions by evildoers and witches, German theologian Peter Binsfield prepared a classification of demons known as the Princes of Hell. Like the Lantern of Light, the other famous categorization of the demon princes, Binsfield used the seven deadly sins as a basis, though the two are different. In the 1589 treatise on confessions by evildoers and witches... Lucifer is pride, Mammon is greed, Asmodeus is lust, Leviathan is envy, Beelzebub is gluttony, Satan is wrath, and Belphegor is sloth. The Lantern of Light differs in these three ways. Beelzebub is envy, Abaddon is sloth, and Belphegor is gluttony. But in both, Asmodeus is always lust. Mm. So in my opinion... This Asmodeus is sexy because he runs a business and we love a financially educated king. (laughs) Four out of five. The business being a casino? Yeah, again, bad boy streak. Okay, all right. Hey, listen, I'm in. He runs the casinos in in hell. That sounds cool. That makes it – this implies they said the courts of hell. I'm imagining now you're going to a court and there's a casino section and there's gambling and now there's intrigue and you're at a fancy party but you got to dress up. It's that whole trope going on. Okay, okay, sure. I – I was caught up most of that, though, with the name Peter Binsfield and Evildoers and Witches being this book. That was such a delight for me. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Four out of five. Yeah. This guy, he can run a business. All right, Casey. So the 17th century loved Asmodeus. In 1641, the Spanish playwright and novelist Luis Velez de Guevara 
published the satirical novel El Diablo Cuelo, where Asmodeus is represented as a mischievous demon endowed with a playful and satirical genius. Loki again. Yes. In this story, Asmodeus is the most mischievous spirit in hell, driving his own demonic allies to get rid of him. It's also said that he's the inventor of picturesque and satirical dances, music, and literature. Being one of the first angels to rise up in the heavenly rebellion, he was the first to fall to hell, meaning that the others fell and landed on top of him, leaving him with permanent injuries. Oh! So, it's giving, he's broken in body, but I can mend his spirit. <laughs> and he jokes to hide his inner pain. And I love those tropes for him. But I'm giving oh. him a 3.5 out of 5 because I think there's got to be a mix of jokes and seriousness. And I worry that this version could get annoying. I'm willing to flex on that, though, because at this point when I was rating, I was like, if I keep giving them all 4 out of 5s or 5 Understood. out of 5s. But I had to really push and be like, I'm just going to assume the jokes are annoying and that they never get better. Because I, if I'm I being real, this is like a 4 or 4.5 out of 5. You've got to give concessions somewhere. So, But I would say – this description of him is similar to a D&D character that Casey made as an NPC <laughs> that we both love dearly. So I, I've talked myself out of it. It's now a 4.5 out of 5. I love this version. <laughs> He's just like this NPC that I my character is romancing, and I love that. <laughs> I'm back on board. Back on board with this version. Let's move on to the Ars Goetia. This is one of five books that make up the Lesser Key of Solomon, which is a grimoire of demons compiled in the mid-17th century. Ashmedai appears as the king Asmodei in the Ars Goetia, where he is said to have a seal in gold, and he's listed as number 32 according to respective rank. And Casey, just so you know, Prince Stolas is number 36. Oh my god, do you know what I have right next to me? Oh, you have Stolas's journal! I've got the symbol of, of uh, Stolas. Look, it even says his name, like in the weird way that Asmodeus did. Oh, that's his seal. That's the yeah. seal for Prince Stolas in the Ars Goetia. Anyway. For those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the <clears throat> show Hell of a Boss, which takes place in Hell and features some of these characters. Yeah. So, in this, Ashmodai, or Asmodeus, is described as, quote, strong, powerful, and appears with three heads, the first is like a bull, the second like a man, and the third like a ram, the tail of a serpent, and from his mouth issues flames of fire, end quote. Mm. Also, he sits upon an infernal dragon, holds a lance with a banner, and amongst the legions of Amaman, he governs 72 legions of inferior spirits. They're pretty confident on that number. It's very they really are. unique number. Okay. So in my opinion, Casey, I'd love yours. He's losing a few points in this one for being literally a bunch of animals put together. Mm. But he's also getting points back for being a boss and friends with a dragon. Okay. So I gave him a, th a three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah. I, I feel like I'd probably be even less generous than you. I think I probably would have gone down to a two. I'm very bad at ranking things. And <laughs> I'm not good at being hard with it. When I rank my books on Goodreads or whatever thing, it's like, mm -hmm. did I enjoy it? It gets a four out of five. Would I recommend it? No. No, I would. Wow. But I'm like, did I have fun? Yeah. Like, I'm not the okay. person for this. No, no. I think if, if you had fun, I feel like that's a, a fair ranking. There are books that I enjoy that I would not turn around and say, you should read this. Yeah. Unless it's someone I know who has the same taste as me. As me. Yeah. I, I feel like hmm, I feel like with Goodreads, I'll give someone a three if I was like, I finished this because I had to. I feel like four, yeah, I would do similar. Like, I had a really good time with this. This was a fun. Five is like, I loved this. But I, yeah. sometimes even if I just liked it, I give it a five. Uh, that's where so I'm So maybe at. I'm bad at this too. 
I'll not finish a book so fast. Oh. I, I Jamie and I talked about this the other day because she says she's really selective about when she'll pick up a book and start reading it. And I'll pick mm-hmm. up almost anything. I got Kindle Unlimited. Today, uh, as we're recording this, is Stuff Your Kindle Day. You can get a bunch of free books. But they're all the kind of books that I would want to read where they're historical romances mm-hmm. or fantasy romances or self-published fantasy books or romances. You know, stuff that I'm like, yeah, you're not going to get the maybe the best quality or the most popular books. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy them. Hey, yeah, and that's what matters. I mean, I'm not going to read something I don't like. All right. So let's move over to The Nuns of Ludon. So Asmodeus was cited by The Nuns of Ludon in the Ludon Possessions of 1634. This event was a notorious witchcraft trial that took place in Ludon, France. A convent of Ursuline nuns said they had been visited and possessed by demons. Following an investigation by the Catholic Church, a local priest named Urbain Grandier was accused of summoning the evil spirits. He was eventually convicted of the crime of sorcery and burned at the stake. This is a puppet history. This was a, I was like, why does this sound familiar to me? It's yes, it's it on was. puppet history. It was a puppet history. Oh. I mentioned that a little bit later. It, I just I have a spot later talking about where you see him in pop culture. Yes, and yes, he's yes, in yes. puppet history and he sings a song in puppet history, which is a showcase and I both love and highly recommend if people have not watched puppet history to go watch puppet history. I forgot. Oh my God. Yes, he does. All right. I'll hold. I'll stay. I'll wait. So ignoring the puppet history, because that would boost this rating, (laughs) he gets a two out of five because he's barely even in this story. Yeah, he's not even featured. But the puppet history one raises it because that is a really cute puppet. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. I forgot about that. All of that was in the 17th century, which really just went nuts for Asmodeus. Oh, that was – oh, that makes sense. So now we're moving forward into the 1800s with the Dictionnaire Infernal. Written in 1818 by Colin de Plancy, and it portrays Asmodeus with the breast of a man, the leg of a cock, a serpent's tail, three heads, one of a man spitting fire, one of a sheep, and one of a bull, riding a lion with dragon wings and the long neck. All of these creatures being associated with either lascivity, lust, or revenge. And fun fact, the Archbishop of Paris approved of the portrait. Oh. Oh, is that the picture? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Did they say for this one that he has an ogre head? Because that's what it looked. Oh, that's the man spitting fire. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. spitting fire, I wouldn't, (laughs) especially not with the modern connotations of that (laughs) phrase. I'd say it's a black and white, looks like drawing of cow. Mm -hmm. I would say ogre head, but they said man spitting fire. Ogre head. And then like a ram head, the ogre head has a crown. Then I guess what they're saying is the lion wings is behind all of them. Yeah. Which the perspective is a little a little gnarly on that one. Mm-hmm. And this quote unquote lion, bad take, Colin. <laughs> I, it, it, I mean, it's a creature for sure. Creature for sure. Lion? I don't think you would show that to literally any child and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's a lion. I can see <laughs> it. Kind of. But the neck thing is weird. You know what? He didn't want to put the left arm, so he covered it up with a that long That is what neck. it looks like. That is what yeah. it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. But you see Asmodeus's one chicken leg, yes, but not yeah. his other leg. Why is – it looks – because he's got his hand on what I guess is the knee of the chicken leg. Right, elbow firmly out. Elbow out, but it kind of makes it look like he's just holding a chicken leg. 
Yeah, it does. So I don't know if I'm a big fan of Colin's work. Right. So this here. version, it, it's cool. It's interesting, but it's not hot. So he's getting a two out of five. I might even honestly, after our conversation, go down to a one. Yeah, go down to a one, baby. That one's, a, that one's low. According to Maximilian Joseph Rudwin, author of Asmodeus, Dandy Among Demons, the French novelist I mentioned earlier, Alain René Lesage, adapted the Spanish source in his 1707 novel, Diable Boiteau, where he likened him to Cupid. In the book, he is rescued from an enchanted glass bottle by a Spanish student, Don Cleofas Leandro Zambullo. Grateful, he joins with the young man on a series of adventures before being recaptured. Asmodeus is portrayed in a sympathetic light as good-natured and a canny satirist and a critic of human society. In another episode of the adventure, Asmodeus takes Don Cleophas for a night flight and removes the roofs from the houses of a village to show him the secrets of what passes in private lives. Following Lesage's work, he was depicted in a number of novels and periodicals, mainly in France, also in London and New York. Okay, I want your thoughts on this before I jump into my thoughts. I, I mean, that was just like a lot. I'm like, so this guy is delivering on the book that we were kind of talking about a little bit. Like he's got, you know, he got free. This sounds like a kid's TV show. It does, right? But like it's from 1707. The, so instead of the, like the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy, it's like <laughs> it's the the satanic adventures of Don Cleophus Leandro Zambulo. <laughs> and Asmodeus. Yeah. And want, Asmodeus. God, now I really want to make a t-shirt that looks like it's a kid's cartoon, but it says that. But we're kind of close with Hell of a Boss already. Because it, <laughs> it kind of looks like a kid's – when I first saw it, I assumed it was mm -hmm. like a kid's cartoon. I know. So, and it's so very not, and I love it. It's not – so to me, this Asmodeus gets four out of five stars. I took away a star because he spies on people in their private homes, and that's not cool. But we love a Cupid-like good-humored king who's just taking a guy out for a good time. Yeah, I can agree with that. Him and Don are just having some fun. Mm-hmm. So in pop culture, like I mentioned, on October 3rd, 2021, an episode of Puppet History brought in Asmodeus. He also performed the episode's ending song. And it says here he was featured in the episode's plot-heavy finale. That is very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he played a gigantic part. I can't believe I blocked this out. Yeah, he was a really, really big part of like the whole entirety of the last of the most recent season. Right? Oops. And Asmodeus also appears in the adult animated web series Hell of a Boss, voiced by James Monroe Iglehart. In the show, he's nicknamed Ozzy, and he's the ruler of Hell's Ring of Lust, and he owns a popular restaurant. Casey, I just put him here for you to describe to everyone. Just to look at him. Yeah, as this is what so this version of Asmodeus is what kind of blinded me this whole episode that I was mm -hmm. like waiting to see because that's why I forgot completely about puppet history. So this is a very brightly colored take on Asmodeus. I think the very like subtle nod to the three head thing. He's got he's more human shaped, mm -hmm. but he does have like this sort of blue mane that kind of surround his head, and there's two little tiny, I think, just vague shadow faces. So he, yeah, it's an it's an animated 2D design. He's got some feathers coming out from his mane, feathers coming out from his tail. So they really touched on the rooster aspect. I think they tried to oh! just stick with one of the characteristics. Yeah. It's a great design. He's got a hat. He's got a little suit. He's got a little heart on his little suit mm -hmm. to show that he's like, oh, and he's got little heart cufflinks too. I never oh, noticed yeah. that. So Asmodeus is also depicted as an evil deity in The King of Nine Hells and in most published materials for Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder TTRPGs. Oh, yeah. He's a big part of our other campaign. Yes, he is. 
Yeah, you would not swear fealty to him. No, my character in that campaign would not swear fealty to Asmodeus. Me right now, after recording this, if I was playing a character, would be like, all the way, baby. This guy <laughs> is doing great. So I don't have any uh, hot ratings for these characters because I think they're all very hot. I love them all very much. Uh, five we just five. love them. That is Asmodeus. That was very good, Tracy. That was a lot of content. Thank you. I love him. I still – I don't know if you still think he's a, just a professor nerd, but I think he is the misunderstood bad boy of hell. I mean, he has a lot of hats. He does yeah. He does the most. Like, he's got, he's got a lot of different vibes. And most of them seem responsible or – Yeah. I feel like I didn't really get a whole reason to dislike him. No, I don't. I, and that's that's a lot on me because I don't dislike him now. And uh, this is a – this whole thesis is why someone should write a romance novel with him as the main love interest. Yeah, that was the real idea. So, Tracy, I wrote the story this time. Yes, so you did. in the last episode, I did the Sacred Band of Thebes and Tracy wrote a beautiful poem. Um, and so for this one, I was like, hey, can I write the story? And you said, yeah. But I kept it secret from you. Mm-hmm. I have – you guys, not even – the tiniest clue. <laughs> she kept it. I can't see it. She kept it in a completely yeah. different script. I don't know where it is. Uh, I've had no information given to me. I'm going mm-hmm. into this exactly as blind as all of you. So this is going to be okay, good. So I hope you enjoy it. So have you have you ever heard of – I mean, you're obviously familiar with the concept, but have you ever heard of the podcast Two Hot Takes? No. All right. Well, for those of you who do know what it is, this is in the style of them. So I'm going to read it like they read Uh, These stories on the podcast. Is there anything I need to know going into this? Nope. Am I the asshole for killing my girlfriend's seven (laughs) husbands? (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, go on. Go on. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. (laughs) My girlfriend, 29 female, and I, 1,000-year-old male, have been dating for about a year now. When we first met, it was love at first sight. But when I approached her, I could tell that she was caught off guard by my social status. Without going into too much detail, I am a prince. So obviously this puts whoever I'm dating into the public eye. I could tell she was shy, so when we started dating, we kept it a secret. Fast forward to now. I knew I wanted to marry my girlfriend, but at this point, I had never actually met her dad. I told her I wanted to meet him so I could ask him for his blessing. It took a lot of insisting, and she finally agreed to introduce us over dinner. To keep a long story short, things did not go well. When I asked for her hand, he said no before I even got the words out. But it gets worse. He then proceeds to tell us that he already arranged a marriage for her tomorrow with some random guy in town. She was so upset. Obviously, I couldn't let that stand. And before you comment that I should just object during the whole speak now or forever hold your peace part, that wasn't feasible for me. For reasons I can't go into, I couldn't be inside the church during the ceremony. This meant my only option was to find the guy once they left the church and kill him, which I did. Problem solved, right? Wrong. This happened six more times. Yeah, her dad arranged six more marriages, which meant I had to kill six more guys. But her father refuses to stop. This next guy he picked is even biologically related to her somehow. I honestly think they're cousins. So I can't let this marriage happen for several reasons. But now it's a whole thing where everyone in town is mad at me. And it's like, obviously, I didn't want to do this, but it's my only option to save my girlfriend. So Reddit, am I the asshole? Update. Thank you to everyone for your support. I didn't realize how toxic this family was until I saw all of your comments. When I spoke up for myself and told her I didn't want to kill this new guy, she broke up with me. I was shocked. She clearly didn't care about me at all. Without my intervention, my now ex-girlfriend ended up marrying her cousin. To celebrate, he burned a bunch of fish guts on her bedroom floor. So yeah, I hope she's really happy with her new shape of water husband. That is so good, Casey. Oh my God, I've never... (laughs) 
Never in a million years would I have thought to write an Am I the Asshole subreddit post from the perspective of a demon. Oh, it's so good. Genuinely, when you I'm, – I'm trying to find the text now because when you first when you first texted me and I said, like, I think I could do something with that. I was like <laughs> – that's immediately where my mind went. And I was like, am I going to be – am I going to get in trouble for blasphemy for this? And I was like, I think I, I think I skirted the line. I think you did such an amazing job. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Great work, Casey. Thank, Thank you. you for joining me on this Asmodeus journey that oh, – I love him. I agree. We've ended, you know, in this the last episode, the sh- sacred band of thieves, and this one. I feel like we end it with being there should be a, a romance novel about this. Yes. So come on, yes. where are they? <laughs> okay, but now it's your turn to tell me something good. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I hear you. As usual, I just there's so many things I I was thinking about. I'm like, what is my something good? And I I understand this is coming out on the fourth of July. Hmm. This is summer. We're in summer. Mm-hmm. My something good is fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. You know, somewhere out there right now, Rowan is just like perking up and agreeing with you. Here's the thing. All of Instagram reels and TikTok and stuff, they're they're influencing me. They're showing me like pumpkins and sweaters. And I just got marketed this over the garden wall sweater. And I was like, yeah, I do love all that stuff. And then I was drinking a latte the other day. And I was like, I wish this was a pumpkin spice latte. And I I want to enjoy summer. I don't want to be like this. Mm-hmm. But it it is good. Well, we got to make some fun. We got to make some fun summer plans. I'm, I don't like this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is my something good because I do like I do like it. But I mm-hmm. don't like it now. Let me yeah. out. <laughs> so that's yeah i was i was puzzling over it i'm like it has to be autumn i gotta be true to my heart yeah uh so that was mine apparently i didn't really understand i didn't take the rules correctly and i said something good and then repeatedly said i don't like this but i do <laughs> uh so why don't you actually tell me a correct something good there's, there's no correct but okay. my something good is uh sort of it's sort of two different things kind of combining two uh because last episode we not talked allowed about- Oh, yeah. Okay. So host Casey says it's not allowed. I'm out. Uh, no, no, it was great no. seeing you. <laughs> so last episode we had talked about, we had our first kickboxing class and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I think much more than you. Yes. But you you signed us up to go back. I I think it was a good workout, but I, I'm not strong enough. Like, like I my arms aren't strong enough to do what they wanted me to do. Did you have this problem? I was punching with enough, I guess, gusto. I kept moving my the punching bag inch by inch forward and then I'd have to walk around to the other side and punch from that direction for a bit to move it back into its original place. Well, my main issue was that I could already feel that I was getting tired. So I was trying to pace myself, but I had no idea how long it was going to go. Right. Because we couldn't see our watches because they were in the boxing gloves Mm -hmm. and uh, they didn't have any clocks. And then as you know, Tracy, I don't like when workout people lie to me. And when they yeah. said it was the last round and give it all you got, I did. So and then I had an empty tank and they're like, okay, speed round. And I was like, excuse me? But it was a very good workout. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I loved the workout. I had a lot of fun. But for those who don't know, Casey runs Zumba and she specifically picked out certain songs that when we hear it, we know this is the last song and then it's stretching time. You're done. You did it. 
Uh, my other something good is that Malcolm finished another one of his training classes. So we Yay! finished advanced training. And after talking to the trainer, I'm going to do some tracking work with him. So he goes outside and he learns how to track different scents or people or whatever it is around because he just loves doing that stuff. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah. So we're going to be starting that. But once the weather clears up a little bit because, one, it's really, really hot. So we'd have to do it really in the early mm. in the morning. And two, right now there's smoke everywhere. There is smoke everywhere. I was so sad. I wanted to go work on my patio and I got it. Oh, no. So the smoke. I mean, last time I was like, smoke? Never met her. And so I spent time outside despite the smoke. And then, yeah, I got laryngitis and then I got a cold on top of it and it was terrible. So I'm like, I'm not going out there. No, not worth risking it again. That's a hellscape. No. He wouldn't be able to track with that. Right. It it would throw off the scent. That's part of it. And so the trainer wants to... She also wants to take us out and see what it looks like just outside, out about. How does he behave? What you know? What do we need to work on? So she's a great trainer. I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to be starting that next week. So okay. very excited. But for now, thank you all so much for joining us. And remember that stories grow with a telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or a foe. And we'll see you soon. Okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our logo is by Jamie Harrison, and our music is by Taylor Ash. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willie and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. sunscreen in my eye. I'm making her cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing such a good job. I'm brought to tears.